And welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show. Totally Scottish Football with, you know, Totally Scottish hosts. I'm Andrew Slavin, and first things first, we owe all of our listeners a huge thank you because of all of you downloading and subscribing, the Totally Scottish Football Show was number one on iTunes last week. Ya belta! We left Brian Cox, Joe Rogan, and the porno writing dad in our wake. We are going to be with you every week reviewing all things Scottish football. The Premiership and Football League are back with a bang. Scotland is definitely the place to be right now. Just ask big Marco Materazzi. Herring helped Hearts hammer Hamilton, while Hamilton helped St Mirren to victory on their return to the top flight. Get it? Later on, Craig Anderson will give us a full roundup of the action in the Championship, League One and Two, as we'll be joined by Kenny Crawford from BBC Scotland to discuss Air United and one of the hottest prospects in Scottish football right now. Alongside me today, former Scotland Under-21 international and now fully-fledged journalist for The Times, amongst others, is Gregor Robertson. How you doing? Good to be here. Uh, Gregor, I just want to get away a question that we received on Twitter uh, today. You can always get in touch with us on Twitter at The Totally Show. We had um, Ross with a question for you. As a Scotsman based in England who played to a decent standard and now in the media, what's your own perception of the Scottish game? Well, I've been down, down south now for more than 15 years, so I think the game in Scotland's changed a lot in that time. Uh, I grew up watching the the kind of... The old firms with Henrik Larsson and Brian Loudrup and these types of players. So it's obviously changed a great deal in that time. But I've always kept kept a track of it. And I, I've, I've actually been a bit of a defender of it since I've been down here. It's got a unique mixture of intense rivalries and being able to sort of laugh at yourself a little bit. You know, a good, a good sense of humour about the game. Um, and I think people down here, the perception is very different. I mean, I've, I've played in... Leagues one and leagues two, and and had people tell me that the the game in Scotland's rubbish, and you know I'm playing in the lower leagues, uh, and a lot of these guys have gone up and played, have gone up and played there now, <laughs> especially nowadays. So the perception down here is not always great, but um, I've always thought it's uh, it's got its own sort of ecosystem, and it's um, it's worth defending. I couldn't agree more. Defend <laughs> it to the help, mate. So there's only one place to start and that is at Pataudry. Steven Gerrard's first game in Scottish football began with watching his team go down to 10 men after 12 minutes and it ended with a stoppage time equaliser from last season's runners-up Aberdeen. Who'd be a manager, eh? If you're wondering why we're playing the Targaryen theme tune from Game of Thrones, by the way, while talking about Steven Gerrard, it's because that's exactly what Sky did pre-match yesterday. And if you didn't recognise that as the Targaryen theme tune, I don't want to know you. So we're joined now by Rangers fan, the wonderful space girl Gail on Twitter. Gail, Alfredo Morello sent off for kicking out at Scott McKenna after 12 minutes. What was your reaction? Well... Watching it on the telly, you've no idea what was going on because the, it was off camera. Nobody had seen it. The referee stops the game and goes over and you see him getting sent off before you see what's happened. So people had no idea. And then they showed us it um, and he gets barged and kicks his foot out. 
at the player who's barged them. And I don't know. I reckon maybe six times out of ten, nothing would happen. Another couple of times, both would get a yellow card. I just genuinely don't understand how that incident can be seen in its entirety and one player can be sent off. I think Rangers can feel hard done by, certainly. Mm. Um it's true what everyone's been saying, he's, he's given the referee a decision to make, that's true. So by the letter of the law, you can send him off. But these things happen a lot and they're not picked up on. McKenna was kind of pushing the boundaries a little bit with in terms of uh, the strength of his little barge and keeping him in his place. Mm-hmm. Um, defenders do that all the time too, I think. There's no, no two ways about that, I've done it myself. But I think Morelos was daft to... He's got caught up in the, in, the, in the moment the second time and he's obviously lashed out and... Um, Although Rangers can feel hard done by it, I mean, it's by the letter of the law, you can give a red card for it. My perception of it is that all the referee really needed to do, you know, 12 minutes gone, the game is just starting, you know, starting to feel the game. That happens, and that happens at the start of a lot of games. You want to make your presence known as a defender, so you probably want to give the centre forward a bit of a dunt. But all the referee, for me, has to do is step in, you know, quite rightly speaks to his linesman, and all he needs to do is really kind of go on and speak to McKenna and speak to Morelos and say, I'm not going to have any of that. The next one's going to be a red card or the next one's going to be a yellow. And I think the referee probably would have been within his right to just hand two of them, two yellow cards, and then the business would have been done. He'd been within his rights just to have a word. I don't mm. think he even actually had to hand out a yellow card. So you're right, it's, the, it's, it's whatever position he's taken. But the linesman's the man who's, who's seen it. We don't know when he's first seen it as well. He might have missed... Mm-hmm. The earlier barge, he might have just caught that moment when he's lashed out. We don't know, you know, it's a human de- human decision. But I, I mean, undoubtedly, Rangers can feel hard done by, and 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 uh, and it changed the complexion of the game completely. Yeah, it's funny because if you say that the the linesman um, might not have seen something, but all he's seen is that, then again, as a fan of Scottish football, if I'm looking at everything, it'd be great if the referees could just come out afterwards and explain their decisions. Because at least they would be able to explain you know, their decision-making process. I mean, people have said that for many years and I think we've got two hopes of it happening. <laughs> <laughs> but why not? It's just something that's really obvious. You know, explain it. Because if you explain it and we still disagree, well, at least, you know, you've given your reasons. And if you're basing it on that, then you can, you can explain it. I agree, and I think it probably might have changed... The remarks that Steven Gerrard made after the game. I think if if there's a bit of sort of openness, then people can possibly accept a, a human error or a human decision or what his point of view is. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no need for the sort of for the the framing of the argument afterwards. Well, we can we can get onto Gerrard's comments <laughs> very shortly, but that that was probably you know he had maybe a bit more of a, a grievance towards when they had their penalty. You know, there's questions over the red card for, for the Aberdeen player? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he, he wasn't attempting to play the ball. He wasn't. So, you know, I don't think they could have had any complaints if it was a red card. Mm-hmm. Windass is getting to the ball. The ball breaks through and Windass is getting to it. And I've seen um, comments from commentators after the game. I think it was... Um, Chris Commons saying, oh, uh, it wasn't a red card because there was enough players in front of Windass that he wouldn't necessarily have had a clear shot at goal. And then a still that just, you know, 
proves that not to be the case. <laughs> Dominic Ball hasn't attempted to play the ball. He's, he's done what he intended to do, which is bring down Windass, stop his goal-scoring opportunity, and it was a penalty. You can understand why people, why Rangers players were saying he should be sent off. And, and obviously there's the context, there's been a previous sending off before that. So all those things come into play. I think Windass would have done well, actually, to to fire at home. I think he would have had to find somewhere high in the roof of the net, possibly. Mm-hmm. I think somebody I mean, would have got across there. It was an open goal. It was an open goal at the moment he was pulled back, but I don't think the goal would have been open by the time he got to the ball and struck it. Yeah, personally. Um, but again, these these are two very there were two marginal decisions, and neither of them went Rangers' way. So you can see why they're aggrieved by that. But if a player Dominic Ball pulls the shirt of Windass, and a and you know I I know that the, it's it's down to perception if it's a goal scoring opportunity. It's it's got to be a red card. <laughs> yeah, well, when the the rule says denying an opportunity, mm-hmm. not denying a goal, it's you know it's denying the chance to score a goal. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what the rules state. Mm-hmm. In that regard, he probably should have seen a red card. Well, well, well. If we move on to then, you know, Stephen Gerrard's comments, he says that they were a class above Aberdeen. Is that is that over the top? Do you think? I don't think it's particularly over the top. I th- I. Obviously, it's difficult because Stephen Gerrard's Rangers manager. He's not an objective observer. I'm not an objective observer. I'm a Rangers fan. But watching that game, I thought we were clearly the better team. I thought even with 10 men, we were better. We played more attacking football. We created more chances. We pressed their defence even late in the game with 10 men. Um, So I think, he was entitled to feel proud of our team, proud of the performance, be impressed by what we'd done given the circumstances. And yeah, I think it's a it's a reasonable thing to say we were a much better team. I think they were the better side. I mm-hmm. think it's the first game of the season. And I was surprised, you know, my sort of eyes widened a little bit when I heard that, that mm-hmm. remark in the interview. And obviously he went on to say some much stronger things than that. But I think it's possibly it was just possibly a little bit unwise. Um Especially as Aberdeen have finished second the last four years, and it's going to be a big, it's going to be a big task for them to to overtake them. Or and there's other people challenging this season. It's not going to be straightforward for Rangers. Um, but he's, I think he's just kind of he was upset by the by the two decisions in the game, and he was he was a little bit angered by that, and he could see it in him. What do you think about um, the impact Gerard has had at Ibrox? You know, talk about the defence. Is there any any mention for for Gary McAllister? You know, a bit of a experienced, wise head that's you know came in to perhaps guide Gerard. Gerard's done a lot of good things, and not least of them, he's put together a really solid backroom team. Although it surprised a lot of people, obviously moving into management didn't surprise Stephen Gerrard, and he was ready to go immediately, and he knew who he was taking and what he wanted, and I've been really impressed by that. I think what he's done in terms of player acquisitions, immediately targeting the centre of defence, both Connor Goldson and Nikola Katic have been great. We have played like a fearful team for for a long time now, and um, that seems to be gone. You know, he's instilled a confidence, a belief, an optimism, and you can see it. You can see it when things are going well, and you can see it when things are tough. Finally, Rangers seem to have... Um, a team that 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 can possibly 
go to the Europa League and have a bit of a run in Europe. You face Maribor in the third qualifying round on Thursday. The Slovenians have faced Scottish sides in European competition four times in the last nine years and have won every single tie, Gail. Yeah, it's tough. You know, Maribor have got Champions League experience. They've got, you know, a, a string of good results until their belt, as you've said there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've got to believe that we can match them. Almost nobody I knew thought we would go through against Ossiek. So we've taken a lot of confidence from that. I think the team will have taken a lot of confidence from that. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I think we've seen already the benefits of his, his man management and people, I think, just genuinely being inspired mm-hmm. by playing for him and, and knowing that if this guy has played at the highest, highest levels, um, is telling you you're doing well, you can take so much from that, I think. He's spurred the team on and will continue to do so. My usual partner in crime, JJ Bull, is unable to be with us today, but he was tweeting that the performance was abysmal from Aberdeen um, and that they were scared. Um, it was all doom and gloom right up until Bruce Anderson's equaliser in the 94th minute, their first shot on target. But he was the player, when he came on, that actually almost kind of, he was he was the one person that took the game by the scruff of the neck. Yeah, he was he, he was the one player that showed some real life actually, and, yeah. and uh, showed a bit of movement in the box, and he took the goal brilliantly. It was his first touch, kind of wrong footed corner, Goldson. Mm. Um, and people look at the replay and you think, what's Goldson doing? He's, he's almost moved his foot out of the way of the yeah, strike. It's a really weird kind of. I don't know what he's doing. I, if you watch it again, the block is so strange to watch. I, I think he's <laughs> trying to do a sort of. John Terry S, get your whole body on the ah, floor, yeah. <laughs> and he's done it, and he's done it just at the wrong moment. And but you can't take anything away from the finish. He had to find the bottom corner, just beyond the outreached, uh, outstretched arm of of McGregor, and it was a fantastic moment for a local lad to to come in and score an equaliser in such a big game. He's an Aberdeen fan. He, he said that in his post-match interview. To be 19 years old on your senior debut uh, to score a goal for your club that you love. It's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. Um, it get a moment it, like that? It couldn't be any better. No, don't ask me that. <laughs> You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Last week, we referred to Hibs as the entertainers and they continue to deliver goals. A 3-0 win over Motherwell at Easter Road on Sunday as Neil Lennon's men made it 19 goals in their last five games. We are joined by Stefan Binkowski, co-founder of The 2.1, a fantastic website and Twitter account on Scottish football. We cannot recommend it highly enough. Stefan, Neil Lennon could afford to leave strikers Florian Camberry and new signing Jamie McLaren on the bench there's so much strength and depth there. Yeah, um, it seems as though there's no way of stopping this hip side right now. Um, I think a lot of people thought that the momentum that they built up towards the end of last season um, would kind of dissipate over the summer months. But, you know, despite key players leaving and the constant threat of further key players leaving, uh, the team has continued marching on and I think that's a real testament to the way Neil Lennon has set up this Hibs team. Um, you know, kind of similar to maybe to like Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool. Um, you know, he can interchange players regardless of really um, quality or, you know, profile or position. And one way or another, this Hibs team seemed to get the job done, as we've seen not only in on Sunday's game, but in the European qualifiers beforehand. The, the good thing about Hibs 
and I guess this has always been the case, is that they've always seemed to have young players coming through. Um, Ollie Shaw made brief appearances last season and he looked like a really smart player. And I actually thought, you know, I mean, I don't think anyone really thought Hibbs would get Canberry and McLaren back mm. this summer. And I was kind of thinking, I was hoping that we'd see a bit more of Ollie Shaw this season. On Sunday, suggest we may well do. I think he's a really bright young player. But there's also... Uh, Ryan Porteous, who I keep calling Pistorius, unfortunately, whenever I'm on the radio <laughs> and such. Um, but Ryan Porteous um, is another great centre-back. He's another great young player coming through this, the club as well. So, you know, even though the club uh, off the fielder did a lot of wheeling and dealing uh, in the transfer market, Lennon um, is quite happy to turn to these younger players because when they come in, they seem to do a fantastic job. It seems from an outsider's point of view that Neil Lennon has given these players like such belief He's a big presence himself. He seems to have raised the, the profile and the expectation there. Is that is that what the feeling is around the club? Yeah, I think it is. I think um, what Lennon kind of brings to Hibs is that, you know, whether by hook or by crook, he is the star of the show. Um, you know, his critics and his fans alike would quite happily point out that every press conference, every single week, and I guess Craig Levine on the, on the other side of town is quite similar in this regard, that, you know, it, he makes himself the topic, the subject. Rival fans shout and sing at him. They don't shout at his players. Um, you know, and you could argue, okay, great, you know, it's the theatrics of football. But I think on a personal level, uh, in terms of managing the squads, it really does seem to benefit quite a young team. Um, you know, they've got a coach who has played at the very highest level for Celtic. Um, he's probably the one man in Scottish football over the last 10 or 20 years um, I can't think of anyone who's had to deal with the same amount of abuse or personal attacks as he has uh, for one reason or another. So, um, you know, he's a warrior and I think that kind of plays through in his managerial style. I think he's a very good coach, a very good tactical coach in his own right as well. But he definitely seems to be able to provide cover for his squads. Um, and, you know, when you've got young players like John McGinn uh, or I mentioned Ollie Shaw, for example, Effie Ambrose, who's continuously throughout his career as Celtic or Hibs, has always been a, a point of contention for fans because of often sometimes he'd be quite clumsy. But, you know, Lennon can quite easily swoop in there in a press conference or something and, and take uh, the heat off his players. And I think that's why we've seen Hibs really thrive under him. You, you mentioned John McGinn there, Stefan. Obviously, a, a player who is catching the eye of obviously Celtic, who have had a few bids thrown out so far and a few eyes towards him down in England. Do you think that Stevie Mallon is enough to carry that midfield? Um, scored a great goal on Sunday. They've lost Dylan McGeek this summer, uh, who primarily played as a more defensive holding player, but he brought so much to the build-up. Uh, and Scott Allen as well was one of the key playmakers, not only just for Hibs, but for Dundee as well the first half of the season. But yeah, you're right in saying that they have managed to bring in Stevie Mallon, who's now got about four or five goals for the club, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have Slivka as well. Um, and they also have a huge array of uh, forwards in that regard. They've got Martin Boyle, McLaren, Camberian, as I said, Shaw as well. Um, but I do think, um, you know, I think once McGinn goes, and I think he probably will go, uh, the club will probably do their best to make sure they bring in one or two more central midfielders to kind of fill in. I don't think anyone at Hibs uh, or the fan base themselves think they'll be able to sign someone who can obviously replace the kind of talent that John McGinn has. But once McGinn goes, does go, if he goes, of course, um, that will be three key midfielders who have left. And the club have only really brought in one so far this summer. So I think they will need at least one or two more players just for the simple sake of having more uh, depth to get through the whole season. Stefan says there's nothing stopping 
uh, Hibs at the moment, or it feels like like that way. You know, they face Molda on on Thursday uh, in the Europa League qualifying stages, managed obviously by former Manchester United striker Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. Could be an interesting tie. Yeah, it's an extra little uh, interesting spin on it. Um, but I think I think Stefan's right. I think they couldn't enter the game in in better spirits and better form, especially goal scoring and the atmosphere at Easter Road. It's going to be difficult for them to to handle. It's a it's a tough place to go, very, very much so. So I think yeah, Hibs Hibs approach that game and they really couldn't be in, in, in any better form. Cedric Kipre uh, to Wigan for one million pounds. You know that's a big loss for Motherwell as well. But it's money in the bank that you'd hope Stephen Robinson's going to go into the transfer market and try and replace. Yeah, I think once again it's a really good example of um, you know some cracking business from. Um, Motherwell, I think Capriel arrived at the club with very little experience as a professional footballer, very young player, um, and I wouldn't go so far as to suggest that he walked the league because I think in very certain high-profile games he did look as though he was lacking composure, um, and at times he did often look as though he was struggling to kind of pay attention. Um, but he's still very young, so he's still got plenty of uh, time to develop those kind of attributes. But you know, if I was a Motherwell fan, I wouldn't be too disheartened by. Um, that result. Kipri is really the only key player they've lost this summer, despite having a number of outstanding players in that team. Um, and of course, they didn't have Campbell in the middle of the park, who is arguably their best player. Um, and I think on the day, they probably could have scored two goals as well. So against one of the better teams in the league, um, 3-0 away, um, probably flatters Hibs to a certain extent. But I think we'll probably see, again, another season of Motherwell looking like a really tough team to beat Robinson. Um, a bit like Neil Lennon at Hibs has built a system which he can kind of interchange players and they all seem to be quite happy dancing to his tunes. So, yeah, I think there's still plenty to be very optimistic about Motherwell. Now, a few fans got in touch with the Totally Scottish Football Show last week, upset that we had been a bit too harsh on hearts. JJ and I suggested Craig Levine's transfer policy might have been a bit slapdash and that they should be playing better football than they did last year. With that criticism ringing in their ears, Levine's men promptly went out and spanked Hamilton 4-1 at New Douglas Park. You're welcome. Gregor, you started your career at Hearts as a schoolboy. What do the fans expect? Uh, I think they expect Tynecastle to be a fortress. Uh, I think any time Hearts have been successful, Tynecastle has been a really tough place to go to. Um, obviously, that will start with the visit of Celtic uh, on Saturday. Um, I think it's very, it's obviously important for them to be the dominant club in Edinburgh, and that's something that maybe the axis has shifted a little bit in the last year or two. There's obviously a great rivalry there, and I think they expect to be challenging for the cup competitions and for the European places. That's the kind of bare minimum, I think, for them. That's a realistic ambition for them too Hearts are a huge club with a big fan base and and, uh, and I think that's that's realistic We should compliment Craig Levine for you know playing some really good football on Saturday uh, against Hamilton so he's a good manager he knows how to deal with what he has and he can he can find some gems as well Yeah I mean he's been been a manager for a long long period of time got a lot of experience obviously got a bit of stick last year can be a bit cantankerous at times mm. He's hearts through and through. And yeah, I mean, I know you hit the, there was a bit taking the mick out some of their signings last week, but I think from first look, certainly that front trio looked like they could be a real a real danger. And 
And uh, I think I wouldn't be surprised if Hearts, Hearts are challenging for, for Europe this season. Well, let's talk to a Hearts fan now. Um, we've got Nicholas Walker from STV. Uh, Nick, what a result on, on Saturday. You must be absolutely delighted. Well, couldn't have hoped for a better start, to be honest. Um, I knew Hearts had been doing quite well in the pre-seasons, but to start the league campaign like that was uh, was really a surprise, especially away from home. So our form's not been, not been great away from home the last couple of seasons. So really, really pleased, yeah. What 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 was the most pleasing aspect of it? Um, obviously, going going a goal down um, isn't the best thing, but but the reaction uh, was one thing to to savor. Yeah, I think that's it. I think you've just summed it up. The reaction was was great. I think you know to only be behind for was it three minutes? I think we go back, we get, we score, and then from there on the second half, from what I've seen from the game, it looked like it could have been you know five or six. What did you make of uh, Ekpezo up front? He's going to prove a real handful, I think, this season for 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 defences. Absolutely, and he, it's quite funny. He's, he looks like he's one of a kind of player that Levine likes, you know, kind of big target man, can hold up the play, bring other players in, but he can also certainly score as well. So um, I'm really excited about him this season. We just hope we can all keep keep him fit, you know. Stephen Naismith was quite important. I thought his performance was excellent. His pass um, for for the first goal was was outstanding. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, I, I think that's been our best bit of business over the summer was getting Naismith back in. I know it's only on loan, but when he came into, you know, halfway through last season, he just looked head and shoulders above anything else we had in the team. So just to have his kind of leadership on the park as well, I think it's going to really carry us throughout the season. Again, it's just a case of, you know, players getting into their 30s. You want to just try and keep them fit. And he's going to be hopefully a big player in the sort of bigger ties to come in the season, you know. That, that attacking trio, those looked very promising. I mean, McLean obviously and and Nick Paisley, but with Naismith dropping off in those little pockets of space, that he's an intelligent player and he can find people, find their runs. That looks like it's got some real promise. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, delighted to see McLean playing on an artificial pitch again. I, did, I thought I was worried about that when we got him in the summer because I was thinking, oh, I really want Hamilton to go down now when I heard that we were maybe going to sign him because I thought there's a few games right there he can't play in. But turns out that the doctors are happy and so is he. So, yeah, if we keep these three guys playing well like that, then uh, I'm really, really looking forward to Hearts as an attacking side this season. I think he's maybe getting a bigger appearance bonus, something like that, maybe. <laughs> yeah, <could> be, uh, <laughs> doctors. <laughs> you know, all this talk about, you know, Stephen Naismith, Stephen McLean, the saga behind Kyle Lafferty. Um, oh, here it comes. Here it comes. Well, I mean, the, the thing <laughs> is, after the weekend, would you miss Lafferty? He, he certainly can provide a different dynamic to the team, but maybe that's something that Ick Piazzo can uh, take from Lafferty, and there's a real fight for places there. Yeah, I mean, I think. I would I would let him move on because it was a kind of similar deal that happened with Jamie Walker last season as well. You know, this guy was kind of linked with I think it was Wigan, and um, once he knew there was interest elsewhere, he kind of almost down tools a wee bit. And if if Lafferty's is going to to do that, I mean, I hope he doesn't. I hope he kind of sticks in, he works hard, and shows that there's a willingness there still to play for Hearts. But I think if Levine and McPhee get the sort of any hint that he's he's wanting a move, then. I think you just have to let that happen. I, I'm, I would say I'm encouraged by the the three at the weekend. Seem like they can play well together, as we've talked about. So I'd let them go if uh, the price is right, but only if the money's up front as well. We want to be aiming for those European spots come the end of the season. Surely you want to be in that in that team, you know, in the in the hunt for those things and be part of it. Because yeah, last season twenty plus goals in a season. We haven't had that, and I can't remember the last time we had a player that did that. So I really hope that we do manage to to work it out. For, for the right and it's all right for hearts you know 
Well, you can obviously revel this week being top of the league. Um, and then you've got Celtic on Saturday, hoping for a, ha- a European hangover, perhaps. Um, it's probably the best time you could play Celtic. Well, yeah, I mean... The confidence is, is high at Hearts just now. They're playing well. It seems like the players are enjoying themselves. And, uh, yeah, while Celtic have still got an eye on making sure that they guarantee that sort of Champions League spot, then, uh, yeah, this is the best time, I think. Definitely. Let's, uh, and it's at Tynecastle, you know. Uh, I'm sure the turf is just the perfect length now, so bring on. Reacting to, to that weekend uh, defeat for Hamilton, you know, they're in a position now where... If you look back at last season, they lost 28 points from winning positions. That was more than any side. How difficult is it for Martin Canning to put that right? It's not easy or else he would have, he would have done it. But I think, <laughs> um, I think it can actually, when it's, when it's that big a problem, it's that common, uh, I think it can actually become a bit of a psychological thing. If you mm. go ahead, mm. you might think about sitting back and trying to defend your lead when that can that's possibly not the best thing to do not in every situation anyway so it can be it can be hard to deal with that and um i think every year we, we say that hamilton are going to struggle and they somehow pull it out of the bag but i think that's something they really are going to have to they're going to have to put right if they're to stay up the season on spotify smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere this is the totally scottish football show from money knees media Italian World Cup winner Marco Materazzi made the trip to Celtic Park on Saturday with his two boys, and so did Livingston. As many might have expected, Brendan Rodgers' side eased into a 3-0 lead after 50 minutes. Tom Rogic opened the scoring before the French duo of Odson Edouard and Olivier Ncham made the game safe. But Livy did register their first goal of the season through Scott Robinson with the last kick of the game. Brendan Rodgers described his side as it's standing at times, Levy did put a lot of men behind the ball, though. Can you blame them? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, they certainly did, yeah. And I think they, they sort of forgot to fill the gaps that, that uh, someone like Tom Rogic took up and took real advantage of. Uh, found little pockets of space, and he was a real break for the second goal as well. It was a blistering attack. Um, Livingston are going to have just come up back-to-back promotions. No one's expecting them to have a chance at Celtic Park or staying up almost this season. Um, I think we could we expect them to come and defend, and they didn't take a hiding. They scored, like you say, it was only a consolation goal, but I think that's something that they'll be pleased with. Mm. They'll think that's that's a that's a boost, and I'll, they'll take that into the into the next fixture. I think it could have been more, but yes, as a Livingston fan, you can say that. You know they they defended resolutely at times, um, and and I think you know it will get better. You know opening up against Celtic isn't going to be easy, but you know it will get better throughout the season. I hope. And the only thing is, you look at the goals, and well, like I say, one was a one was a break that they were caught a bit short. One was a really clumsy challenge for the penalty. So they, they might be disappointed with with those, but I think they're not going to be too downhearted by that. They're back in the the top flight and. Uh, I think they'll be hoping for the next fixture to come around now. Um, you're a left-back. Tell me about Kieran Tierney. How far can he go? I, I wrote a report, actually. I went. I wrote a, a scouting report for the, the English Times. Uh, I went up to Hamden for the Scottish Cup semi-final. And obviously, you think that's going to be one of the, one of his biggest tests. Mm. And they, they ripped Rangers apart that day. Um, and I think therein lies the sort of... The question is that, in the Champions League, he's he's performed well, and that's where he's getting really tested. But until he 
is tested against better opposition week in, week out, it's impossible to know. I think if you look at the path of, of Andy Robertson last season, he, he came on leaps and bounds since he went to one of the biggest clubs in England and obviously he been to the Champions League final. And the improvement from playing against better opposition, playing with better players, that's something that um, has been obvious. And I think it will be the same in Tierney because he has such a, a great attitude, amazing kind of mental strength. You know, he didn't take any prisoners. I, listen, I, I don't want him to leave Scottish football because yeah. you want the best talent to be playing uh-huh. uh, in that, that league. But mm-hmm. um, I think probably the, Scot- the national team might benefit and. I'm not saying now, but in, in, in a few years perhaps, of him going. And he, he would improve, I think, from from playing, not necessarily in England, but or abroad, just in, in, in uh, challenging himself more regularly. Celtic have got a massive game on Wednesday in the Champions League qualifying up against AEK Athens. Um, it's going to be very tough. I, I, I spoke about this in the last show, the amount of games that they have to play. And Olivier and Cham looks like a doubt for that game. Yeah, I think you'll see... Rogers sort of uh, trying to use his squad. Obviously, Tierney was rested, only came on for the last 10 minutes at the weekend. Mm-hmm. That's really important that they get a good result at home because we know going to Greece, the atmosphere over those types of places can be really intimidating. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have got experience of these these games now, so I wouldn't be too worried about that. But the home fixture is going to be vital. If they can get a, a couple goal lead, then, then I think Celtic will be OK. Let's look around the grounds now. It's our man Craig Anderson with the headlines from the Scottish Championship, League One and League Two. Well, it may be a little early to get excited about the possibility of Air United playing in the Premiership. One of their players showed why he could get there sooner with two goals as Ian McCall's men newly promoted from League One sunk last season's Premiership droppers, Partick Thistle, 2-0 in the opening day contest at Somerset Park. With Dundee hovering menacingly like the Seagulls in Ayrshire post-game, Lauren Shankland added a little more to his valuation with two first-half strikes, the first of which a penalty after Sean McGinty was deemed to have tripped Robbie Crawford, allowing Shankland to step up and beat Cammy Bell from the spot to open the scoring. Shankland then made it 2-0 after 18 minutes, his third in two games against Thistle, after Ayr beat them by the same scoreline in the Betfred Cup last week to seal the victory. It's one game and 35 games to go, but Ayr are flying high at the top of the Championship. Dundee United saw their hopes of getting off to a winning start dashed as they were beaten 3-2 by Dunfermline at East End Park, the Pals' first victory over the Arabs in 15 attempts. In the week, United manager Shaba Laszlo was given the dreaded vote of confidence. Dunfermline took the points but came from behind after Nicky Clark had put United in front. Alan Johnson's side came charging back with goals from Joe Thompson and one each from Jackson Longridge and his brother Louis to seal victory. Although Fraser Air got one back with a free kick late on, the Pals held on for victory. In League One, Dumbarton began their attempt to return to the second tier at the first attempt with a 2-0 away win at East Fife to start off on the right foot. Andy Dowie and Callum Gallagher each found the net in the opening quarter of an hour of the second half to secure three points for Stevie Agnew's men. Both from corners and the relegated side from last season got the best result from a tricky away trip. The biggest result came at Lynx Park though where Montrose, winners of League Two last season, saw their hopes of starting strongly in League One come a little undone when Arbroath, a team just 20 or so minutes away, took four goals off them. Ryan Wallace opened the scoring in the first half, with Bobby Lynn adding a second from the spot before he got his brace, and Arbroath third with eight minutes to go, celebrating in Cristiano Ronaldo style to mark it. Kane Hester rounded things off with a 4-3 minutes into injury time to compound the misery for Stuart Petrie's team. Edinburgh City got three points and four goals as James McDonough's men picked up an impressive 4-0 win over Albion Rovers in League Two. 
Blair Henderson's hat-trick starting with a penalty gave them an excellent victory over John Brogan's side, with Alan Smith adding a fourth on 81 minutes. For Clyde, it was a good result for them as Danny Lennon saw his team take full points from a team he got promoted twice a few years ago, Cowden Beath, in a 2-0 success at Broadwood. Martin McNiff's header from Jordan Stewart's free kick gave them the edge on 25 minutes before Chris McStay was fouled in the box, leaving David Goodwillie to score from the penalty spot and give the Bully Wee some early cheer in what will be another long, tough season ahead. Let's turn our attention now to the Championship. Um, and as Craig just mentioned, it was a nightmare start for Alan Archibald's Partick Thistle. After relegation from the Premiership last season, Thistle were beaten 2-0 at newly promoted Air United. Kenny Crawford from BBC Sports Scotland was at Somerset Park and joins us now. So Lawrence Shankland with a brace. He was a top scorer last season as they won League One. Martin Johansson on Twitter asks, how long do you think it will be until someone from the Premiership snaps up Lawrence Shankland from Air United? He's a proper goal scorer. Well, I think the, the main thing that you can say about Lawrence Shankland is that last season he scored 29 of the goals. Now he scored loads of goals last season. Mm-hmm. And Craig Moore and Michael Moffat scored more than their fair share as well. But Shankland, especially, has continued that on into this season. His goals on Saturday took him up to nine for the campaign already. If he'd got another one on Saturday, which he almost did, it would have been his third hat-trick of the season already. So he's on nine for this season. His total last season, as I said, is 29. So easily on course for, for meeting that at the moment. He's a third of the way there already. And he just looked... A player who, A, like I mentioned earlier, is just absolutely loving playing football at the moment, but also looks like such a vastly improved player. Everything about his game on Saturday looked really good. He linked up really well with Michael Moffat up front. All his little um, touches, all his flicked on headers, they, they had an understanding with each other. He wanted to move around the pitch and create things. And... His finishing was deadly. His first goal was a penalty, so obviously you would be expecting him to score that, and he put it away well. But his second goal, after Declan McDade cut it back to him, was just a ruthless finish from about eight yards, which gave Cammy Bell absolutely no chance. So I think at the moment, Shankland's stock is high, understandably. I think Dundee, from reports, seem to be the team that have expressed an interest. Most of them, we believe that Dundee have made contact with Air United, that was a kind of line on Saturday and I haven't heard any development since then, so we'll see what happens with that one but Lauren Shankland's a guy who's had opportunity in the Premiership before with Aberdeen, he started out his career at Queen's Park and was part of the the kind of the trio at Queen's Park that went on to big clubs he went to Aberdeen and Andy Robertson and Aidan Connell, he went to Dundee United and it never really worked out for Shankland at Aberdeen. A lot of loan spells on Formland, St Mirren and Morton, and he never really looked like he had found home. But at Air United, he really looks like he's found a place that's home and he's, and he's scoring. So I suppose the balance for him is whether he keeps with that and knows stays at a place that he knows he plays well at and he'll score a lot of goals or go for that challenge again of um, a step up to, to Premiership football if it is indeed a Premiership club that, that chases him. He's 22. It's a, it's a great age um, to be to be playing good football. Um, we've got a, a, a tweet from uh, David Inglis who asks on the flip side, if Air United can hold on to Shanklin, please, <laughs> do they have a shout at a playoff push? I think definitely. On the, I mean, Saturday is just one game. It's the only time I've seen them this season, but it was just the first league game and they just looked... All over the park, we've got to remember that this isn't all about Shankland and that's something that manager Ian McCall would point out as well. 
they've got guys peppered all over the park that are producing the goods and Ian McCall mentioned Robbie Crawford in midfield central midfielder who doesn't really get a lot of plaudits, doesn't really get a lot of talk, he just does all the the necessary stuff and it's not all just industrial stuff, it's really creative stuff as well he won the penalty with a really nice bit of skill for the first goal and Ian McCall calls Robbie Crawford the best kept secret in Scottish football which he probably isn't anymore because he's told us that and he's, <laughs> he's now uh, broadcasting that around but Air United are a team, to go back to the original question, who do look from that showing like they're going to be in the mix at the end of the season. Title winners, probably a bit um, of a exaggeration at the moment, but certainly in, in, in a tussle for the playoff places. Air United, for the start of last season, decided to turn full-time. When they were in the Championship two years ago, they were part-time and really struggled. But in League One last season, they were full-time with the aim of making sure they got back up and also with the second aim of once they were back up, really competing and it looks like they're going to do that. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. No chances, back to his goalkeeper who's closed down, he's got no options, he's made a mess of it, it's Ryan Flynn, squares it for Mullen, Sitman it back in front. A nightmare for the Dundee goalkeeper Jack Hamilton. Elsewhere in the Premiership, St Mirren 2, Dundee 1. A very happy return to the Scottish Premiership for St Mirren and a first win as a Premiership manager for Alan Stubbs. Danny Mullen with a brace, the second coming after a goalkeeping howler from Dundee's Jack Hamilton. What happened there, Gregor? That's <laughs> uh, a calamity, really. It's tough to watch. <laughs> oh, uh, I felt for him. I mean, we all know, yeah, they want to play it from the back, but... Probably the first pass in the first instance out to the fullback wasn't wise, and then when he takes it back, he's got to hook it with his left foot, even if it is a swinger. Um, and then when he's faced up, if he's planning on touching it to one side, probably away from the goal yeah. would be more wise. Knock it out for a corner. Uh, yeah, yeah, that would have worked. A uh, little back heel. But, yeah. Um, yeah, and then he's slipped over the ball, which just uh, added to the ignominy. Um, so yeah, it's, that's that's what the day for, day to forget for him. I thought Dundee were actually unlucky. Um, it wasn't it wasn't all St Mirren. Uh, I think a draw would probably have been a fair result. Um, but but they're probably going to be battling each other in that relegation scrap. Yeah, I think they're one of the kind of four four teams who are going to be who would take safety right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're right. Obviously, they had the penalty. Mendy looked lively up front. He had a couple of opportunities. That he snatched that a bit. Um, but I think. Last season they only scored 31 goals in the league. I think Partick Thistle were the only team who scored less and uh, goals might be an issue for them again and that's something they're going to probably have to look at between now and the transfer when they're closing. Ungatwala's goal for, for, uh, for Dundee was a, was a cracker. Yeah. Uh, came up from Kidderminster. Um, but he, he's someone that could maybe provide some of that goal threat for him. Yeah, uh, it was a cracking strike. Um, and obviously he looks, looks very athletic. He was box to box. He was full of energy. Mm-hmm. Um and like I say, Mendy, he 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 had two really good opportunities. Um, Samson made a great save from one, closed down the space really quickly. Um, so he's somebody they're going to have to look to and, and hope that he can come up with some goals this season. Wilson again, in towards McKillen. Jolly, what a strike that is! His first league goal for Kilmarnock. And what an effort there. Kilmarnock 2, St Johnston 0. 
Steve Clark's men picked up from where they left off last season with another victory as Boyd was on the score sheet again. But not Chris. It's Scott Boyd who opened the scoring after a bit of an error from Xander Clark in goal. And an absolute worldy goal of the weekend from winger Michael Njolly, signed on loan from Bournemouth. 19 years old, Steve Clark looks like he's used his connections well there on the blower to Eddie Howe. Absolutely, what a goal. What a way to announce yourself to the to the Scottish Premiership. Um, he, he, was, he was lively as well. Other than that, he, he had a couple of, couple of flashes and uh, obviously Steve Clark's someone who's very well respected down here. Done a lot in England uh, as a coach, and yeah, I think he's he's pulled one at the hat there. Absolutely, and another player who I thought was really really excellent, um, Jordan Jones. Uh, Absolutely, he, he, he's he's got something. He's he's got something quite classy about him, hasn't he? A few yeah. step overs in the game as well. Yeah, and he was just edging a little bit closer to the goal, and he hit the bar. Yeah, that was a great strike, and it, he's what he's one of those players that a fullback hates playing against mm. because he's. Right sided, but he's playing on the left, and he loves to drive inside. and And obviously had a couple of couple of good efforts at goal. Um, I think there's a few clubs been looking at him, so I think they'll be very keen to hold on to him. Yeah, he's had an interesting rise. He was at Middlesbrough as a youngster, um, and he's had a few, you know, stop up. He was at Hartlepool for a little while, and and Kilmarnock's been that place again. Scottish football, great place to kind of you know get your career back on track. Um, I read that he uh, he actually sold his car back in January. He was travelling down south to see his family uh, and it was taking him away from, you know, focusing on the game. So he sold his car. He now has a car, by the way. He's playing (laughs) well again, so he's got a car again. Um, But, you know, someone who's, you know, maybe didn't have a great start down south and and he's he's just, you know, playing for Northern Ireland now as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what you say is true. Scotland can be a platform for some of these players. You know, someone who's, he's not had an easy start in England. Um... And he's come up and he's obviously relishing the opportunity to get some regular games, thriving, and there's been one or two sniffs in the championship, I think. So I think um, they'll, they'll be really keen to keep hold of him because he looked very lively at the weekend. If we move to St Johnston, it's, it's only day one, uh, but Tommy Wright was absolutely scathing uh, in his criticism of his players after the game. He said they lacked bravery and failed to pass the ball 10 yards. Yeah, it's not stinging, a, it's isn't not it? a good start to stinging. hear your manager saying that in the first league game of the season. Um, I was slightly perplexed in the way they set up, though. They were very, very, very deep, letting letting Kelly come on to them far too much. You know, people shooting from just outside the box. Um, mm. If you're hitting the break, you've got to have somebody to run forward. And I think it looked <laughs> like they were playing very hopeless balls up to up to Watt on his own mm-hmm. who had a thankless task really mm-hmm. and there was no one within 20 or 30 yards of him and it can be frust- obviously frustrating for him but it can be very frustrating as a defender too if you're playing balls forward and they're coming immediately back to you so um, no it was a, a day to forget I think for him OK thanks for listening we'll be back on Monday after some big games in the championship plus Celtic travel to Tynecastle. could it be another famous victory for Craig Levine's men we'll speak to you then You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and make sure you check out our other football podcasts, the Totally Football League Show with Caroline Barker and, of course, the Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Mm-hmm.